This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon Makuku Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 120 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we Irish, we tell a story of the third inhabitants of the island of Ireland. This is the story of Nemed of Scythia. But before we get down to that, I want to give a big welcome to any new and indeed any returning listeners. If this is your first episode listening, have a listen to this. And if you like what you hear, head back to the very beginning over two and a half years ago nearly at this point and see what we've been building up to on the journey of Fireside. And if you're a returning listener, as always, you are so welcome back. Please do follow me over on Instagram, at Fireside Bar. It's the best place to get in touch. If you want to check out some dank poems, or if you just want to say hello, please do support me over on Headstuff Plus by joining the Fireside community. You can join do so over at headstuffpodcast.com, where for a fee of €5 euro a month, or pay as much as you want, you can gain access to bonus content, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Most recent piece of content has been an episode about St. Patrick of Ireland and about the mythology of Patrick's Day and the Patrick's Day Festival. We also have had the video of my Dublin Podcast Festival live show a couple of, from a couple of years ago. And there's a lot more coming. There'll be a new piece of bonus content dropping very soon. Uh, upcoming is still my interview with the great Mark Williams, author of the incredible book Ireland's Immortals, which I've been sitting on for a couple of months. And I'm delighted and very happy to share with you all very soon. And also, uh, I announced this last week, but on the 29th of April, it is Poetry Day Ireland. And I'm doing a special live online event over on Instagram celebrating myth in Irish poetry. So it's going to be something a bit different where I read some of the great poems from throughout Irish poetry from the very beginning up to right up to contemporary and all of the different kinds of mythologies that feature in the poetry telling the stories behind the poems and the mythology behind the poems and I'm even going to be reading some of my own as well as throwing in a few tunes and songs for good measure so please be sure to check that out we'll probably if you're not on Instagram uh, I'm probably going to rip the the audio from the live show and release it as either an episode or a bonus piece of content depending on what people want but that is the 29th of April yes Poetry Day Ireland head over to Instagram for that I want to thank we have a couple of new 
supporters over on Headstuff Plus. So I want to give a big thank you to Kevin Magner, Shane Grogan, Philip Kyo, Sirla Hanley and Elizabeth Bonjean as the five most recent. It is really steadily building up now, the Headstuff. And I know a huge amount of you are one are guys who have swapped over from the Patreon account. So thank you so much. It's a really weird thing to have been building the Patreon for so long and now to be encouraging people to switch over to this other thing. It's like you're it's like you're taking advantage or not taking advantage, but it's like you're chancing your arm asking people who are already kind enough and generous enough to support your podcast to then put money over to another thing. But a lot of you have, so and I can never thank you enough for that. Uh, but we do have a couple of new patrons probably from people listening back from the past um in the past episodes so i want to give a big thank you to kelly mcdonald who joins gretchen ingram and ray as our latest patrons because i am keeping the patreon open for those who want to stick with it or for new new listeners listening back it is still there your generosity is immensely appreciated thank you the story for this week i'm really enjoying these I hope you are too. Please do let me know uh, what your thoughts are. I always love hearing from you guys. But I'm really enjoying these stories of these landings, these pre-Tua de Danan landings in Ireland, because I've said before, I knew that there was these five and six landings leading up to the Tua de Danan, which begins Irish mythology for all intents and purposes. But I didn't think there was any like narrative beef in them. I didn't think I'd be getting five episodes out of the five landings. But it really has worked out that way. And it's been amazing because I knew it connected Ireland to the Bible. And it was this Christian allegory of connecting the Bible with the founding of Ireland and trying to demote the Tua de Danon from gods to heroes. But I didn't think there would be so much dabbling with ancient Greece which for someone who cut his teeth on Greek mythology and Greek mythology was, like for so many of us, my first way into storytelling and mythology. It's just been really exciting and just giving another slant on the the patchwork quilt of Irish mythology. So this is the third landing. We'll chat more afterwards. This is the story of Nemed of Scythia on Fireside. Nemed of Scythia. Cesar and her followers had drowned in the flood. Three hundred years later, Partholon and his people had come and been wiped out by plague. The island of Era was little by little becoming cultivated, plains cleared, lakes sprung, but for thirty years after the death of the final Partholonian, the island remained uninhabited. The third group would come from the land of Scythia in ancient Greece. Scythia was a region to the north and northeast of the Black Sea. It was home to the Caucasus Mountains, where the titan Prometheus was chained. The titan had stolen fire from the Olympians and given it to a new mortal race he had helped his friend Zeus create. Humanity. Prometheus loved the humans and wanted them to have fire to warm themselves, tell stories, cook for each other, and create their own version of paradise. Zeus vehemently disagreed, fearing the humans would instead create weapons and rise up against the gods. 
and when Prometheus disobeyed and gave the mortals fire anyway, the Sky Father's wrath was unmerciful. Prometheus was chained to the Caucasus Mountains, where every day an eagle would come and peck out and eat his liver. Because the Titan was immortal, each night his liver would replenish, and the torment would begin again in the morning. So Prometheus hung, as a group of forty-four ships sailed beneath him. The captain of this crew was named Nemeth, and his people would be the third inhabitants on the island of Era. Nemeth was yet another descendant of Japheth, son of Noah, who was granted a place on the great ark to survive the flood, unlike Sesser and her father Bith. After the deluge, Japheth's son Magoth had gone north to Scythia. It is from here that Nemed sailed all those hundreds of years later, making Nemed a distant but very firm cousin of Partholon. Nemed's chief druid was called Mitha. It was Mitha who had a vision of a tower of gold in the middle of the ocean. So Nemed his wife Maka, their four sons and forty-four ships set out for this tower of gold to find wealth and prosperity they fear they lacked in Scythia. Poseidon did not respond well to this pursuit of greed, and so the seas rose up against the Nemedians and forty-three ships were lost, leaving only Nemeth, his family and crew left alive. The adrift Nemedians wandered the seas for a year and a half, before Nemed's wife Maka, who was a great prophet and seer, had a vision for an island where a great fortress would be built. This vision brought the Nemedians to the island of Era. It was no tower of gold, but it was fertile, bountiful, and the whole island was, it seemed at least, uninhabited. Maka's vision would come true, but in tragic fashion, for she died of a fever twelve days after the Nemedian landing. Maka was buried in what is now Armagh, and the fort built there bears her name to this day, Aon Maka, or Maka's Brooch. It should be noted that this is the same Aon Maka which would become the seat of the High Kings of Ulster. It is where Khonkabar Maknasa would rule and be put into the pangs of childbirth in the prelude to the cattle raid of Cooley. Konkabar is cursed by Macha for forcing her to race him in a chariot while she was in labour, and it is thought that the name Aon Macha also means Macha's twins after this race. Take your pick of the story, but Navan Fort still draws its name from the same figure, whether she be woman or goddess. After the death of his wife Macha, Nemed began to further cultivate the island of Era. Twelve more plains were cleared, rivers were diverted, and four more lakes were created. The druid Mitha lit a fire in the centre of the island on the hill of Ishnach. This fire would light the hearts of the kings of Ireland for twelve years. This was the hill where Lu Lavado was later said to rest. Mitha would give his name to this central province, Meath, 
a province which would later be demoted to a county, or two counties, Meath and Westmeath. So the Hill of Ishnach is no longer the geographical, but remains the mythological centre of the island of Era. The Nemedians fought several wars with one group of invaders. The sea pirates themselves, you guessed it, the Fomorians. It is thought that the poor old Fomorians became a manifestation for all of the natural famine and pestilence that wiped out the various peoples of Ireland. Nemed managed to defeat the Fomorians in three great battles. After the third battle, Nemed made the four Fomorian commanders build him a fortress, which they easily did in just one day. But the new king of Ireland's cruelty and paranoia was evident when he killed each one of the Fomorians after they had finished building his fortress. Nemed said, They have the skill to build fortresses in one day. I cannot risk letting them go and having them build fortresses of their own. Perhaps it was this act of treachery that brought Nemed the same fate as his cousin Partholon. For soon after defeating and executing the Fomorians, the Nemedians were faced with a literal plague. The plague claimed the life of the King of Era, who was buried to the south in Cork. Even though their king and namesake was gone, the Nemedians were not all claimed by plague. A great hero rose up to lead the survivors called Fergus Lathderg. The Fomorians, upon hearing that Nemed had died, rose up against his remaining people, and despite Fergus Lathdarg's valiant leadership, their lesser numbers and plague-weakened fighters ensured a catastrophic defeat at the hands of the Fomor. Subjugated by the Fomorians, the Nemedians were forced to pay a humiliating annual tribute at Samhain, the end of the harvest, each and every year. But Fergus Lathdarg would not take this subjugation. He sought vengeance by storming the Fomorian Tower of Glass on the heavily defended Tory Island of what is now Donegal. Fergus Lathdarg killed the Fomorian champion Conan, but the Nemedians were all but slaughtered. Just thirty Nemedians remained, and to ensure their survival, they scattered around the world. Fergus Lathdarg went north to Scotland. His son, Briton Mail, lived there, giving his name to the British and the island of Britain. Another Nemedian, Yarbanel, migrated even further across northern Europe to four enchanted cities named Phineas, Gorius, Moriish, and Phalius. There, his son Biotach founded a family and learned the arts and magic, and eleven generations later returned to Era as the gods of the Tua de Danon. But that would be in a few generations. Three people have come. Three people have gone. Ireland is in the grips of the Fomorians. Who will liberate the tiny, windy island next? To be continued.
Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Tired of tuning into negative news? Well, get your week off to the right start with the Happy Broadcast. Let's help you focus on the positive things happening in our world. Each episode will feature positive news, some mental health tips, and we'll hear from our Happy Broadcast community about what makes them happy. The podcast is hosted by me, Amy O'Dwyer, in collaboration with Mauro Gatti and his popular social channel, The Happy Broadcast. Episodes are out every Monday and you can listen and subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Let's help spread some positivity. And that is the tale of Nimeth of Scythia on Fireside and I hope you enjoyed it. When I started this podcast all those many, many, many years ago, never did I think I would be getting the chance to tell the story of Prometheus at the beginning of a story about Irish mythology. That's what I meant, and that's why I hope you could hear the excitement in my voice before I began this story. You know, being able to not just shoehorn or ham-fist in, but, you know, like, if these guys are coming from Scythia, which doesn't really feature in the story, I wanted it to matter. I wanted there to be some kind of context and some imagery, and there was, to me, Scythia, like, there's many stories and myths set around, in and around Scythia, but to me, it's it's all about the Caucasus Mountains, and in Stephen Fry's incredible uh, versions of the Greek myths, Mythos and Heroes and Troy. In Heroes, I believe it is, when he is talking about the stories of the the Twelve Labours of Heracles, there is a point where Heracles is just sailing across the Black Sea and he looks up and sees Prometheus hanging from the Caucasus Mountains. And to me, I use this phrase, the patchwork quilt of Irish mythology, that's one of the best aspects of Stephen Fry's world is that it feels very lived in. There is consequences. You know, you're seeing, you're hearing one story being told, but it might feature a character from another story that you've already heard or that you're about to hear. I don't know what it is, but I just freaking love that. You know, I love things like that. It's like uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson film Magnolia, you know, where it just, characters come in and out and it just feels breathed and lived in. (sighs) I apologise, just got a little overwhelmed by that there. So we have that here with Nemed sailing. That was my little tip of the hat to Fry writing Heracles sailing under Prometheus. Heracles, who would, of course, if anyone doesn't know, because I feel this is a part of the story you should know, Prometheus doesn't actually stay chained to the mountain forever because Heracles frees him, and together they fight against the the giants to save Mount Olympus. So he does get off in the end. So the one who gave us fire, you know, Prometheus, the one who helped create us and gave us fire so that we could, you know, live... He was eventually freed, and himself and Zeus are good now, which is which is great. I like that they because they were real buddies, you know, they were good mates. But that is enough about Greek mythology. Here we have Nemed, another descendant of Noah. You know, it all roots back to Noah. This uh, was certainly in the book of Invasions, which all of these stories were totally created for. 
you know, they may have been based in some oral lore, but we can be pretty sure, I'd say, that these that these Cesar and, and Partholon and Nemed were heavily, heavily doctored, if not entirely created, just to root them to the Bible and root them to Noah and the book of Exodus and to create this this founding of the island of Ireland. But then you get a couple of very interesting things. You know, you have Meatha, this druid. This is where the name for the province of Meath came from, which would then be divided into Meath and West Meath. And I think parts of Roscommon were, were part of the province of Meatha as well. This is something I must look up. I meant to look this up while I was adapting it. Of at what point and why did Meath get demoted as a province? It's strange that now there are just the four. There's Ulster, Leinster, Connacht and Munster, but no Meath anymore. But So here we have an actual figure, an actual druid. So he's, Meath seems to be something that must have existed pre Christian conversion, you know, pre-5th century and pre when these would have been written around the 12th or 13th century. And then we've got Maka as well. And Maka is one of the three goddesses of the Morrigan. And we have this very firm story of her and why Alan Maka was called Alan Maka was because Conkobar Macnassa had made Maka race him in a chariot while she was heavily pregnant. And Alan Maka meant Maka's twins. And this story predates that by hundreds and hundreds of years. But what I quite like about this is, in typical mythology fashion, I mean, contradictions and overlaps are bountiful across all world mythologies. And they're kind of irrelevant, you know, that's just part of the territory. They do contradict each other and timelines are all over the place. But that, to me, really works. It makes the, it, it keeps the world mystical and it keeps... You know, the mist never totally parts, and it shouldn't. We shouldn't ever see the strings. You know, it's Phantom of the Opera with the, the dry ice as the lake for the boat to go across. We don't want to see the wheels on the bottom of the boat. You know, we want to keep the mist. We want to keep the dry ice there. Awan Macha was already called Awan Macha before he had this race with Macha, which was something that always bothered me. And this is a more good explanation for that. But both are true, neither are true either or are true. It depends on the story you're trying to tell that day. And it's really nice, like I said, when it all seems to click into place and feel real and lived in. But it also is fine when they contradict each other. And I think I used to try, certainly in the early days, to really try and make sense of it. I wanted a really linear journey from beginning to end of Irish mythology. But they are called cycles. You know, they do go constantly back around on each other. And the more you revisit them and the more new stories, the richer it all feels. And it was really nice to have that reference to Kunkabar again there. And then we have Macha as... So Macha now is horse goddess and wife of Nemed and part of the Trinity goddess of war, battle and death. That's not a bad resume at all. And then we have the... Fomorians, again, the permanent thorn in the side to essentially all of the inhabitants and the early residents of Ireland. And when I was adapting this story, that's where I came across that detail I said there of that the Fomorians were actually thought to be this personification, this manifestation of the natural diseases of like war or of famine and pestilence, all of the things that naturally wiped out a people. 
which I suppose makes sense considering how vaguely the Fomorians are described. They're described as giants, as sea monsters, as having one leg, one arm, one eye. And then a lot of the time they're just described as people, like a lot of the Toa de Dan and have a parent who's a Fomorian, like Lou Lovada or, or Brez, you know. And so the implication there is that they're just normal people-sized, like the Toa de Dan and themselves. But here, that was the first time I'd encountered this idea that the Fomorians were this representation for pestilence and famine. Certainly with Partholon, we have them wiped out, wiped out by plague and also fighting wars with the Fomorians, so you could bundle that into one. And then again, here we have the same thing, literal battles fought against the Fomor and then plague also wiping out, which you could put as one and the same. And finally, we get these details at the end, which I love, which are what happened to the remaining Nemedians. Nemed dies of plague. He's buried in Cork. Again, detailed there that this person, as if this person exists and you can visit his grave right there. And I'm sure there is a field, a plain, possibly a whole town named after Nemed. Anyone from Cork, you've heard of Nemed? Let me know if you know this place, this supposed burial site. But for the first time now we get these after effects because after Cesar and the Flood and the Partholonians, pretty much everyone dies except Fergus, Fergus MacRoke. So in Cesar and the Flood we had Bamba and Fergus MacRoke were the only ones who survived. Or Fintan MacBokra, not Fergus MacRoke, Fintan MacBokra, I apologise. Fergus MacRoke is the town, isn't it? It's, it's very early when I'm recor- uh, recording this. So many characters to keep track of. Fintan Macbochra, this this druid who turns into hawk form, he survives. Banba goes off and survives. Partholon, all gone, except again Fintan Macbochra, who... But the island is more cultivated. Lakes have sprung up and and plains have been cleared. And then the Nemedians come, you know, fight more battles, clear more plains, bring up more lakes... But there are actual survivors this time. There's about 30 Nemedians that do survive and they leave Ireland and go off. And this is this is a real linchpin, this is a real connection with what is to come because we see the earliest examples of the Tua de Danan here. This had been another detail about the Tua de Danan that I'd known but not really investigated properly, which is that they had been in Ireland before their official landing. And now we see that it is through they're through that ancestor named Yarbanel, who is not one I've come across before, probably isn't much more detail on him, but that he escaped Ireland from the Fomor and went to the north to Phineas Gorius, Morius and Phalius, and learned the arts and magic. Because it's thought that the Tuadidana were trained, they were not made, they learned to be like this. And then they came back 11 generations later to fight the Fearbulg, to take Ireland again and fight the great war against the Fomor. A tiny little detail, but quite a big one there, is Fergus Lathdarg, who takes over as the leader of the Nemedians after the death of Nemed. He goes to Scotland and has a son named Briton, which is where the island of Britain and the British came from. So you've got a real, that's a real bold claim right there to have this Christian you know, ma- ma- this Christian mishmash or this Christian manipulation of Irish mythology then suddenly making a claim to the naming of the island of Britain. So that's, there's lofty there's lofty ambition 
with these these Book of Invasion stories. And there you go. And with that, I'm going to wrap things up before I stumble over any more words. I hope you enjoy the story of Nemeth of Scythia. We're nearly back up to date. We've got another couple of landings before we circle back on ourselves and who knows where we will go from there. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Join the Headstuff community at headstuffpodcast.com where you can join Headstuff Plus to gain access to all the bonus episodes and bonus material for Fireside and others. Thank you so much to those who have already signed up and for any planning on signing up now. And thank you so much to those new patrons as well. The Patreon page is not going anywhere. Uh, tune in on the 29th of April for Poetry Day Ireland, where I'll be doing an event live over on Instagram, a nice little poetry reading, as well as some tunes and songs for good measure as well. And I will see you all, you'll hear me on next time, where we have a folk tale. <clears throat> we have the folk tale of the witch horns. This is a very interesting one about witch lore in Ireland and a tale of a woman of the house who is rudely awakened one night by the appearance of the witch of the one horn and the witch of the two horns and the witch of the three horns and several other witches of several other horns. All of that is to come next week. I'll see you all, you'll hear me all. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.